We'll be looking at the Psalms for the next several weeks. It's my hope that we're going to gain a deeper love for the Psalms that will last us a lifetime. I want us to see the beauty of God and the beauty of this portion of God's Word as we go through and look into the record of experiencing God and what it means to be human, what it means to be created in God's image, created to be in communion with our Creator. John Calvin, in the introduction to his commentary on the Psalms, called this collection of poems and songs an anatomy of the soul, for there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. The Psalms have always played a huge role in the life of God's people, not only in the Old Testament days, but also in the New Testament church and throughout the history of the church. This morning, I'd like to paint a picture of the Psalms with broad brushstrokes, kind of a bird's eye view. I'd like to just give an introduction, looking at looking into who wrote the Psalms, how the Psalms are songs, how the Psalms are prayers, how the Psalms give us a, a, a manual for discipleship. I'd also like to look at some of the different types of Psalms. Did you know the oldest Psalm was written by Moses around the 15th century B.C.? And the last datable psalm was written at the time of the return from the Babylonian captivity, the time of Ezra in the 5th century B.C. So the psalms cover a span of one millennium, a thousand years, by multiple offers, all inspired by the Holy Spirit. The book of Psalms, as we know it, was organized during the time of the return from the Babylonian captivity. This was the time of Ezra. There, there, in this time, there was a, a reorganization of the book of Psalms, and it was divided into uh, five books. And we can see that structure in the, uh, in the Psalms. If you look at the end of Psalm 41, the last verse says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Notice that double amen. You know this con- this concludes the the first book. It's called the uh, it's called a liturgical liturgical ending, and it was added by the uh, editors at the uh, time of Ezra to uh, mark this book division. If you look at the end of Psalm seventy two, there's a similar liturgical ending, beginning with verse eighteen. It says, "Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things." Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Note again that that double amen. And what's interesting is uh, the, this last psalm of book 2, Psalm 72. If you look at the uh, superscription, it was written by Solomon. And it's believed by the commentators that uh, uh, Solomon compiled these psalms of David and he uh, wrote this this last psalm in the collection as a tribute to his father David. Later on in later books we'll see that uh, other psalms of David appear but these were not part of this uh, this collection that uh, Solomon had compiled. As we go on if we look at the uh, end of Psalm 89 it's got that double amen to blessed be the Lord forever amen and amen. That marks the end of book three. Book four ends with Psalm 106, which instead of that double amen, it ends with blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, amen, praise the Lord. So who wrote the book of Psalms? 
Now, if we if we ask that question, uh, I think many people will say David, and that's a good answer. It is true, David wrote many of the Psalms, uh, nearly half of them. But the Psalms name more than uh, seven authors, including five individuals and two families who wrote the Psalms over the centuries. And uh, here's the spread. Uh, David, uh, the, he, remember, he was the God-anointed king of Israel. He was, he was the man that the Bible says was after God's own heart. Remember, uh, Jesus came from David's line. And we could read his story in the books of First uh, and Second Samuel. So David wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms, uh, nearly half. A lot of times the uh, book of Psalms is called the uh, the book of David. You know, Moses had his five books in the, uh, the Torah, the, the first five books of the Bible. David has his five books. Uh, next is Asaph. Uh, in fact, this represents a family. Asaph was a contemporary of David. He and his sons were ordained by David to lead the people in worship, and they were uh, his, his descendants were recommissioned when Nehemiah rebuilt Jerusalem. Then we have the uh, sons of Korah. This is another family. And Korah was a contemporary of Moses. Remember back in the book of Numbers, Korah rebelled against Moses and Aaron, and God caused the earth to swallow him up. His sons survived, though, and they continue to serve in the house of the Lord, and they share one psalm, Psalm 88, with the wise man Haman. Haman was a wise man who co-authored the 88th psalm with the sons of Korah. His brother Ethan wrote a psalm, too. Uh, Solomon, you know, this king who was David's son, who was really better known for his work in the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. Uh, Moses. Did you know that Moses wrote more words in our Bible than any other human? You know, most of the words are in the book uh, books of uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But he also wrote Psalm 90. We have uh, Ethan the Ezraite. We don't know much about Ethan except that he was a famous wise man. He was so wise that the Bible uses him as a comparison. The Bible makes a point to tell us that Solomon, who was the wisest man ever, we're told, was even wiser than, than Ethan. And uh, there are about 50 other Psalms we don't know who wrote them. Uh, we don't know the authorship of them. Uh, by the way, there, there are many other Psalms in our Bibles that occur in other books. Uh, for example, the, the songs of Moses... Uh, and Miriam in the Torah. At the end of Second Samuel, Samuel, we have a uh, another psalm of, of David. Uh, there were other psalms that were sung and read that don't appear in our Bibles, that, uh, that fell into disuse uh, and were lost. Uh, when the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, some psalms were, were found there that never made it into the canon. But I believe the Holy Spirit inspired the collection of the five books that we have in our Bibles currently as the book of Psalms. Well, how were the uh, Psalms used in worship? You know, first, we can look at the Psalms as a, a book of songs. You know, the book of Psalms was the song book for God's people. The title in the Hebrew Bible is Tehillim, which means 
praises. And there's another word translated psalms, which appears in many of the uh, superscriptions. The Hebrew word is mizmor, which means song. So, you know, the psalms were used as songs of praise, songs of praise. They were used in public assembly. They were used in on general occasions. They were used in specific occasions of religious festivals, such as the, the Passover. Uh, they were also sung on pilgrimages, as people would travel together to uh, Jerusalem to worship, the people would sing these songs of ascent. They're, they're known, some of them are known as. The Psalms are still sung in the Hebrew language by the Jewish people in, in their synagogues. Now, we don't need to sing our Psalms in, in Hebrew, but we can sing them in the language we know. You might find it interesting that the Church of Scotland, for many years, sang only psalms. Uh, their hymn book was called the uh, Psalter, the Scottish Psalter. I've got a Bible that, that has the Scottish Psalter in the back. Uh, the, the psalms in the Psalter are metrical psalms. They're written so that they can be sung with traditional tunes. The words have been rearranged. You know, For example, uh, in, in our, our service on Sunday, we sang uh, Psalm 23 from the Scottish Psalter. Notice how the words have been rearranged. The Lord's my shepherd, I will not want. He makes me down to lie. In pastures green, he leadeth me. The quiet waters by. Well, it's, it's biblical for us to sing psalms in our worship, though we're also to sing other types of songs. We have instruction in the New Testament in Colossians 3.16, which says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankful, thankfulness in your hearts to God. A similar command is given in Ephesians 5.19. I'll start with 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this gives us a, a good basis for uh, singing a mix of songs, songs from the scripture, uh, hymns, which uh, contain theology, praise songs, which are uh, the, the spiritual songs. We have a good biblical basis for what we do. I think we do a pretty good job in our church with uh, with mixing it up. Now, David, who wrote a good number of the Psalms, was known for his musical abilities. He, he played the harp. Uh, remember how he'd play the harp to calm Saul, his, his predecessor? We also read in some of the Psalms how we should use musical instruments in praising God. Uh, for instance, Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with a trumpet sound. Praise him with a lute and a harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So David is, he's enumerating all of the musical instruments that he can think of. We need to praise God with, with music and musical instruments. You know, some of the Psalms even contain instruction as part of the biblical text about 
the instrumentation to be used. For example, look at Psalm 4. It says, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. So Psalm 4 was to be sung accompanied by stringed instruments. Psalm 61 has the same instructions. So I guess if there was any, ever any question about the biblical basis for using musical instruments in our worship, you know, we're commanded in the two, or excuse me, in the New Testament to uh, sing psalms. Uh, they, the psalms instruct us to be joyful. If we're going to obey God's word in the psalms, we're going to uh, sing to the Lord. We're going to clap our hands. We're going to shout and dance and lift our hands, and we're going to praise God with musical instruments. I believe God loves music. If you doubt that, just go for a walk and listen to uh, the sounds of creation, the the, the songs of the different uh, types of birds, the uh, the rhythm of, of nature, streams and leaves. Uh, and I, I think he's um, he's placed in us a love of music. You know, we're I, th- I believe that's part of what it means to be created in his image. You know, I think he has shared with us his, his love for music. Yep. You ever notice how little children just love to sing and dance and, and tap out rhythms without even learning how to do that? We sing and we play music and we make melody with our hearts unto God in worship. That's, that's one big part of the Psalms. Now, one of the benefits of singing the Psalms and singing Scripture in general is that it helps us to uh, remember the Scripture. It helps us to memorize the Scripture. Now, not only are the Psalms songs, but more importantly, they are prayers. The Psalms are prayers. Um, This last January, we spent about a month looking at the Lord's Prayer, you know, that model prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. In Luke, the disciples had approached Jesus and, and said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, they, they'd seen the centrality of prayer in his life. And in this request, we're able to recognize that they needed instruction in how to pray, as we all do. Well, in the Psalms, God has given us a, a training manual for prayer. We can learn a lot by reading them and, and by praying through them, praying the Psalms. The Psalms are special among the other scriptures because they're different. They're different in that the perspective tends to be Godward. Rather than God speaking to man, the Psalms contain the record of man speaking to God. These these prayers captures the the act of, of man laying his soul transparently laying his soul bare before God. The, the Psalms are amazing in that they display the, the whole spectrum of human experience before God, as, as that quote from Calvin said. They, they, can't, they, they contain the whole range of human emotion. You know, we see joy, we see sorrow, anger, love, perplexity, encouragement, frustration, comfort, and many, many other uh, emotions. You know, the psalmists are honest before God. I recently read a book by Eugene Peterson. He, he used to live a little bit south of us in uh, Montana, in Lakeside. He, he was a pastor. He was a, a deep thinker. He was an author. And in the book I read, he had a chapter about prayer, and he said that uh, prayer is the human response to God speaking to man. You know, God speaks, and then we speak. And we, we see that 
the the book of Psalms as as a book of prayer is in the Bible to teach us to pray. Uh, Peterson says that the uh, the Psalms give us a vocabulary for praying. He says that the uh, the Psalm, the book of Psalms is a, a prayer gymnasium, you know, a gymnasium for training us to pray. The Psalms teach us the importance of prayer, and the more that we explore them, we we realize that we have more to learn. Uh, Tim Keller in his book on prayer speaks about his studies in the Psalms convinced him of the need to learn more. Listen to this. He said, in the second half of my adult life, I discovered prayer. I had to. In the fall of 1999, I taught a Bible study course on the Psalms. And it became clear to me that I was barely scratching the surface of what the Bible commanded and promised regarding prayer. Then came the dark weeks in New York after 9-11, when our whole city sank into kind of a corporate clinical depression, even as it rallied. For my family, the shadow was intensified as my wife, Kathy, struggled with the effects of Crohn's disease. Finally, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. At one point during all this, my wife urged me to do something with her that we'd never been able to muster the self-discipline to do regularly. She asked me to pray with her every night. Every night. She used an illustration that that crystallized her feelings very well. And as we remember it, she said something like this. Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill, every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it some nights? No, it would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss. Well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we're facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't just let it slip our minds. Prayer is important. And the deeper we dig into the Psalms, the more we find things that make us think about how we pray and how we should pray. There's some things you may read in the Psalms and think, wow, is it okay to say that to God? For instance, in Psalm 13, David says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? That's quite an accusation to make before an all-knowing and all loving God, but you know it's it's the record of David's honest and sincere prayer to God, and when we read it, we need to remember this is scripture this this is holy spirit inspired scripture God breathed God put it here before us. I believe he put it here so that we would know this is the human plight. this is how we feel sometimes, and it's okay to go to God with it. And the instruction to us is how the psalmist David deals with these thoughts and prayers. We're going to cover Psalm 13 in more depth later in another sermon. You know, the the psalms show us that it's okay to approach God with all our problems, all our anxieties. Jesus will say this later, cast your, uh, be anxious for nothing. Paul will say, uh, cast your anxieties on on him, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. 
you know, it's good for us to speak to the Lord about our fears and our frustrations. It also teaches us that we should offer frequent praise and thanksgiving to God for these things. He's He's done good things for us. You know, He's uh, He's with us during the good times and the hard times. You'll have to please pardon me. I'm recording this in my office. The uh, sermon on Sunday morning uh, wasn't recorded, so I'm going to resume. The Psalms are also used as a a discipleship course. Uh, David King, in an article I, I read about preaching the Psalm, says that in the Psalms we see that our loving God is also holy and just and faithful and forgiving and and fierce and glorious. In the Psalms we learn to pray not only for for our food and family, but uh, for our neighbors and, and the nations and even for our enemies. In the Psalms our generic ethical concern to do good concretizes, teaching us to delight in God and his word, to confess our sins, to enjoy the assurance of pardon, not to envy the wicked, to number our days in order to gain a heart of wisdom, to set ourselves to deal justly with others, and and much more. In the Psalms, we learn that prayers of praise often follow prayers of anxiety and anger and many desperate cries for help. It's been said that all of life with God is experienced in the Psalms, and, and that's true. And our people need to comprehend this. They need a comprehensive discipleship course that's found in this book. Now, there are several types of psalms. Let's look at these. This list is different depending on who you're talking to, but some of the main types are uh, psalms of praise, psalms of lament. We have wisdom psalms. Messianic Psalms, uh, Prophetic Psalms, Thanksgiving Psalms. We'll be looking at these and others over the next several weeks, but uh, let's look briefly at a few. Uh, Let's start with Psalms of Praise. You know, the Psalms make it very clear that God is worthy of our praise and that that praise is to be done in our public worship. Uh, These Psalms uh, are, are calls to praise. Calls to praise, instruct or instruct others to give praise to the Lord. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. You know, sometimes we just need to be reminded. We need to praise him. Let's praise God. You know, this, this isn't uh, just some crazy thing for, for a few crazy people. It's, it's a good thing, the Psalms say, to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to his name. They give us motivation to praise. You know, the psalmists give us reasons to praise the Lord. He... Why praise God? You know, because he's good. His, his mercy endures forever. Because when we look at creation, we see his glory and his majesty. You know, we, we praise him because his love endures forever. He's been faithful through the ages. You know, there, there are a million reasons that God gives us to praise him. They contain praise itself. Many of the Psalms are just praise. Praise the Lord, pure and simple. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory above the heavens. That's Psalm 8 verse 1. Another very common type of Psalm is the uh, lament Psalm. I believe there are about 40 of these. Laments are cries to God in times of need. The psalmists call out to God in times of sickness and distress and war. 
or some other crisis. These Psalms teach us that we can and, and we must go to God in times of, of our great need. We, we must call out to God. We must cry out to God. The, the lament Psalms typically start out with, with a turning to God for help. Oh, Lord, deliver me. Or, or how long, oh, Lord? Psalm 26 is a, a lament Psalm. It starts out, vindicate me, Lord, for I walked in my integrity. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And what I love about the lament psalms is that almost all of them resolve to trusting the Lord. You know, Psalm 13, after beginning, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? It ends with a confident statement of trust in God. It ends with this. I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. I love that. Uh, another type of psalm is the wisdom psalm. Now, psalm 1 is a wisdom song. It doesn't contain any prayers, but it talks about living a godly life. It's instructional. It talks about flourishing and receiving God's blessing. Let, let me read it. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Well, we'll be, we'll be covering that psalm, Psalm 1, in a sermon uh, in the future, the near future. Yes, yeah, a psalm that uh, many have memorized. It's a psalm that has been held dear to, to millions of people over the ages. Well, that's a very brief introduction to the Psalms. There, there's so much more we could say that, that we haven't. You know, for instance, we haven't really even talked about the, uh, the poetic nature of, of the Psalms. We'll, we'll, we'll address that as we go through. We're going we're gonna to go through several Psalms this summer. And it's, it's my hope that, our, that we're developing an, an appetite for, for the Psalms, that our, our appetites are whetted. I'd, I'd like to see us all... Uh, gain a better appreciation for the Psalms. I, I'd like to see us develop a, a richer prayer life as we learn the vocabulary of prayer from the uh, prayer book of the people of God. I'd like for us to incorporate the Psalms more into our uh, devotional life, our, our quiet time before God. Uh, I, I read myself, I read from the Psalms uh, every morning as part of my uh, Bible reading plan. You know, I'd like I'd like for us to use the Psalms more in our, our corporate worship, in our scripture readings, in our prayers, in our worship and song. And I'd, I'd really like for us to see how the Psalms point us to Jesus Christ, that we would see him and appreciate him more than ever.